everybody. Welcome back to the Messy City Podcast. This is Kevin Klinkenberg here. I'm uh, recording this just before Thanksgiving, but it will actually drop after Thanksgiving. So I hope everybody had a good holiday and uh, was able to take a little time uh, for uh, for themselves, for family, uh, to hopefully eat uh, a little too much food and uh, maybe drink a little too much wine or whatever suits you and uh, just enjoy uh, the nice uh, long uh, holiday weekend. It's always uh, one of my favorite times of the year. Not just because my birthday is coming up as well, but uh, it's just a great time of year to to relax a little bit and, and catch up with uh, friends and family and and be thankful. Uh, be thankful for uh, all the good things that have uh, happened in, in your life. I think uh, having that kind of attitude is healthy, and uh, I'm certainly very thankful. I've had many, many good and fortunate things happen in my life. I'm very thankful for my family and for my health and the health of uh, friends and all that I care about. And uh, there's just, there's much to be thankful for uh, no matter your circumstance. Uh, And I hope you all uh, can take it, take some time to do that. I hope you had some time to, to do that. And uh, here's hoping uh, the next year will also bring many things to be thankful for. Um, so now I'm going to take a different turn, a different direction. <laughs> uh, while I certainly am thankful, I wanted to talk about uh, a topic today that uh, is frequently on my mind and and has been for years that uh, uh, is, uh, I might put under just generally the, the banner of some of the blind spots uh, that we have as urban boosters. Uh, and generally when, when I talk about this, I'm not talking about uh, people who just uh, like walkable places in whatever shape or form they have. I'm talking about the kind of people uh, like myself who generally live in big cities or the most, the most, most or more urban parts of big cities. Uh, all of my adult life, I lived in the more urban locations in my uh, region, uh, whether that's here in Kansas City or in Savannah. And uh, that's just my nature. I love those kinds of places. Uh, I'm a city person. Uh, I love getting out and walking around. Uh, I like enjoying the life of being in the city. Uh, And um, that suits me. Uh, It's not to say there aren't other things that I enjoy uh, in different kinds of communities or places, but in terms of my lifestyle and what I'd like to have, I have always enjoyed a more urban place. Uh, But I think one thing I've noticed a lot and that I have uh, often challenged uh, friends and colleagues on is just taking a harder look at our our own blind spots. So for those of us who live uh, in this uh, milieu, so to speak, um, especially those of us who are in sort of a, a professional class, uh, urbanites, you know, in a different era, they would have called us all yuppies. Uh, and uh, you know, I don't, I really that term is actually still pretty <laughs> pretty apt in many ways, except for perhaps the young part, uh, but. The idea of, you know, those of us who are kind of urban professionals and live and work in that world, like those kinds of places, uh, we tend to have our own blind spots. And we we often look at other groups of people in society and say, how can you not see this problem or that problem? Uh, How do you not understand, you know, their own, maybe your own contradictions of something uh, that you enjoy or promote? Uh, but we tend to fail to see our own blind spots, especially those of us who are real boosters uh, for big cities, 
for urban areas. And so I want to talk about a few things that I have seen uh, repeatedly or have come to my mind, uh, in ways in which I think those of us who are urban boosters uh, would do better to pause and kind of look in the mirror and ask ourselves some harder questions and, and challenge ourselves. Uh, so I'm going to start by something that is really not as, it, it's becoming like less and less of an issue these days, uh, but it's certainly something that, that that I used to see frequently 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, and um, you know, I find this a lot in the realm of uh, public policy, but I've seen it an awful lot with developers uh, as well. Uh, and, you know, for a long time, it kind of felt like uh, the people who were planning developing in in our city, in our urban area, and I'm speaking here specifically of, of Kansas City, where I've lived most of my adult life, there was this, you know, incredible desire on the part of many to to really suburbanize the urban area. Uh, so th- this topic is going to be a little bit different than some of the others that I'll touch on because it really has changed uh, in in important ways. But uh, one of the things that uh, I noticed and in, in used to complain about uh, a lot was it, it felt like people didn't really, um, people who were actively building or trying to rebuild our cities didn't really understand the value of the places that they were working in. Um, so I remember one quote years ago from uh, Andres Dewani, the the famous planner and architect, where he, he, did a, he used to do this series of videos that were lectures of his uh, that were all about urban design and, and places. And I actually think some of these are still uh, out there and available on YouTube. You used to actually buy them as VHS tapes, if you can believe that. I still have those VHS tapes somewhere, probably in the basement. Um, but there were great uh, sort of cornerstones of learning the basics uh, about urban design. And Andreas always had uh, a really great way of being uh, blunt with people to help them understand strengths and flaws of of you know, their arguments or whatever it is they were trying to do. And he had a, he had a way of talking about the difference between suburban and urban communities uh, that I thought was really helpful to understand and uh, doing it in, in a way that was not so judgmental. Uh, And, and really the essence of that was that uh, each type of development, and there are two very, those are two very dramatically different patterns of development, the urban and the suburban, uh, all over our country. Each of them has uh, a certain amenity value that attracts people. Uh, for suburban areas, the amenity value uh, is really the private space. Uh, it's the yard. Uh, it's the quiet nature of that. It's the easy parking. Uh, and that really, uh, and, and the sense of order uh, that you have in in many suburban areas, that those are the things that are really attracting people, the extra space, the privacy that comes with that. In essence, what I've talked about before is with suburbia, we, we uh, learned how to build the private realm incredibly well. Uh, and for those people who uh, live in suburban areas or have lived in them, you recognize what I'm talking about, that the private spaces uh, are as good uh, as you can find uh, anywhere in the world, it's really just the public spaces that are lacking and where people uh, feel like something is missing. Uh, but the private spaces, that private realm, the ease of parking, et cetera, those, those are real amenity value uh, uh, notions, especially for a society that's uh, oriented around driving and cars. In urban communities, however, the amenity value is actually the public space and 
the walking experience. Those are the things that really attract people <clears throat> to living uh, in an urban place. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it, it's the idea that whenever you leave your home or apartment and you go out walking around, that there's going to be interesting street life. There's going to be beautiful buildings to look at. There's going to be attractive public spaces, whether those streets or squares or plazas or whatever that you're walking through, that those are the things that uh, are of utmost value to you being in that location. It's the life of the city and the people and the beauty of that experience. Being out in public is really the joy, the, the important amenity value for an urban place. And I, I always felt like that was a really great way to frame it. Uh, and one in which that we failed at routinely, uh, especially in my city. Uh, for many, many years, uh, development seemed to proceed uh, as if we were trying to destroy that uh, amenity value of urban places, uh, whether uh, on purpose or just out of ignorance. And uh, we're in many ways trying to bring like a suburban amenity value in into our neighborhoods, into our uh, downtown and, and urban areas. And it's no coincidence that those just didn't really mesh very well. They didn't work very well. And when our urban areas started to turn around, it was really because people were recognizing the incredible value uh, of the architecture that, that existed, the public spaces that were beautiful, that were created over a hundred years before, uh, the attractiveness of the walking experience, and as we focused on those and as we uh, got better at uh, enhancing those, that that's when it really starts, you start to see a great return on investment in the urban areas because that's what people value. Uh, it's not to say other things aren't important, but that life in public space is what, uh, what the value was. And we lost sight of that for many, many years uh, and made a lot of mistakes uh, that uh, and some very big mistakes uh, in trying to effectively suburbanize our urban areas when we all along should have been trying to just continue to urbanize them because that that is the appeal that's what people are willing to pay for uh, that's what we'll, some people are willing to pay a lot of money for uh, is to have that incredible value of life uh, in cities so like I said I think that has really changed uh, over the years, the development community, I think in particular, has really started to uh, understand that and deliver uh, projects now that are just immensely better in terms of how they treat public space and take care of it uh, and uh, understand that people uh, in cities really enjoy seeing other people and lingering and being around others. And that that's the value. That's how you can uh, get more people to live there. So you know, it was, it, I felt like it, it, as urban boosters years ago, we used to not ver understand that very well. And we overlooked it uh, to our own detriment. Uh, and we were all too willing to kind of accept any investment, whatever it was, uh, as good, uh, no matter whether it was uh, urban or suburban. Uh, and, and I found that to be a source of constant frustration because it felt like we weren't, you know, enhancing uh, what it was that we were actually good, what well, the qualities that we had that were good to begin with. Uh, and even in places that have deteriorated a lot, if you're in a community that was fortunate enough to have developed uh, in the era prior to, say, the 1930s, you probably have some really terrific uh, neighborhoods and buildings and everything else uh, that are just were just waiting to be reactivated. 
And uh, unfortunately, we tore a lot of that down and and kind of made them into lousier versions of new suburban development uh, that uh, have not held up well over time uh, and uh, probably didn't really stop the bleeding anyway. So I think it's really just a great lesson in understanding what is it the value, you know, if you think of cities as, as a consumer product, and that may be anathema to many of you, but, uh, but in many ways they are. Uh, they are, we are often choosing where we want to live on a, for a variety of reasons. But so if you think of it as a consumer product, you have to understand was it, what is it that people are choosing uh, and why? Uh, and if you're an urban booster like myself, uh, we've got to understand the reasons that people love these communities to begin with uh, and what will attract more people to them. So that is kind of a, a good transition to uh, a subject that is that is much more difficult. Um, <clears throat> but what I, I see uh, in the discourse a lot uh, here locally, uh, on social media, et cetera, and that really is around uh, the topic of sort of public order or disorder. Uh, so recently here uh, in Kansas City, um, I'm going to bring up a story that was in the news and just kind of talk about um, talk about it from a different angle, uh, I hope. Um, there was a, a, a guy who went public uh, who runs a, a, an engineering company here in the downtown area. And uh, he said, you know what, I've had enough of the homelessness and the crime issues. And uh, we're going to move our company to uh, a suburban location uh, because it's just going to be better for uh, myself and my employees. And I, I, you know, there's, it's just not working for him to be in the city. There's just too many problems they're running into that relate to those, those issues on a daily basis. And you know, the guy, um, all the local urbanist types and downtown boosters, et cetera, um, are, are going to drag this, you know, they dragged him on Twitter and, uh, and, and mocked what he was saying and, and everything else. Uh, and I think a lot of that is because they didn't like his politics. Uh, I think we all know that the political uh, leanings of sort of the urban professional class lean one way. And I think this guy's, if you read the things that he, he wrote or he talked about, clearly his political leanings are the other direction. So then you get sort of the, the tribal uh, impulse that we have here to just drag on the other person because they're on the other team. Uh, and that's, um, that's kind of life in America in 2023, unfortunately. And, uh, I, I looked at it differently and, and I continue to look at it differently. And, and, and here's what I would encourage people to think about. Um, you may not like the messenger, but we should listen to the message. Um, the reality is in our city and in most big cities in America, we have problems with public order uh, or disorder and crime. Uh, it is a huge problem. It is a real issue. Uh, I happen to encounter this on a daily basis with the work that I'm doing. Um, but I know other people encounter it in very, uh, tragic ways, uh, themselves. And one of the things that I think frustrates me is be, we, we get to this place where, 
because <clears throat> because if, if you're a city person, you feel like you have to defend your city no matter what. Uh, if you're an urban person, you have to defend the urban uh, uh, mindset or the love of urban places no matter what, no matter how um, poorly something is run or how many bad things happen. Uh, and uh, look, this is just the reality of living in a, in a big city in, in most big cities in America today. Uh, there is much more rampant um, uh, issues with street crime, with crimes of all kinds. Um, we have problems with uh, schools that just aren't doing nearly as well as their counterparts in suburban areas. Uh, and we pay higher taxes uh, for the privilege of, of uh, you know, living in these circumstances. And my my message here is that you know, there are those of us who are kind of the weirdos that don't really maybe mind all that so much. Uh, but we are the weird ones. And these are problems and issues that the majority of people really do care about. Uh, how, how the schools educate your kids, the opportunity, uh, you know, to opt to live in a place where you don't have to deal with crime or especially street crime. Uh, very much. These are real issues to most people. Uh, and they are legitimate issues. Uh, we, we put up with way too much uh, in cities just because we want to defend living in cities. And I get that. Uh, you know, there, I understand there's a competitive nature uh, to all of us. Uh, if somebody uh, runs down your town, you want to defend it no matter what its problems are. And, uh, you know, I understand that I've, I've, I've certainly done that myself, uh, over the years, but, but ultimately if, if you're willing to just overlook obvious problems in your place, then that is a recipe for long-term decline and failure. And my belief is that uh, urban boosters in my community and elsewhere are just way too accepting of failed and failing systems um, because we like living in cities. And so we put up with way too much. We put up with paying uh, much higher uh, tax rates than our suburban or rural counterparts. We put up with uh, crime that is much too high, uh, that's just really unacceptably high. And we often put up with uh, lousy educational systems for our children. Uh, and we do that uh, strictly, I think, as a tribal defense mechanism. So that's not to say that things get over, don't get overstated. There definitely are people who, especially in our country, where um, we're a wealthy country, Life generally is very comfortable. If you have grown up and lived your life in suburban areas uh, and never really uh, encountered life in cities, there probably are th things that might freak you out that are just ridiculous and silly on their face. Uh, just seeing, you know, a homeless person, yeah, that's not like a problem. Uh, but if you grow up in a lot of suburbs, you never have to really encounter that directly. 
Um, so I, I get the sense that things, some criticisms can be silly, but there also are many that are totally legitimate and, and our denial of these issues, uh, our denial of the importance of these issues to the vast majority of people is what holds our cities back from truly thriving. Uh, because we don't address them with enough seriousness, uh, enough of a level of importance. Uh, and by contrast, a lot of the suburban communities really do address these, you know, quite well. They, they maintain much more of a sense of public order. They have much lower tolerance for a lot of uh, basic crime. Uh, and they really put a focus on their schools. And those, again, are the things that tend to drive people's choices on where to live. Another thing that Andres Duwani said with some controversy years ago when he was advising the city of Los Angeles on some downtown redevelopment efforts, this was probably 30 years ago. So really before uh, much of the recent wave of redevelopment in downtown LA. But he said, if you want to revive your downtown, take your four best schools and put them downtown. And again, that was the kind of thing that um, a lot of people thought was flippant and ridiculous. Um, but yet there was a lot of truth to it. And peop real people make choices on where to live and where to stay based on those core issues in their life that matter to them, their children, their safety, and their pocketbook. And so our cities, if we really care for them to thrive, to grow, if you're wanting your city to grow, uh, as I believe you should want your city to grow, if you want it to change or improve, we have to align ourselves with these things that matter to the vast majority of people not to that cadre of weirdos like myself who are probably going to live in cities regardless um, because it appeals to something uh, in our nature. So that's a real challenge for a lot of urban boosters because a lot of our, uh, a lot of those, who, those of us who consider ourselves urban boosters probably are outside the mainstream on how we think about place. Another element uh, of all this, uh, another way to look at it, I suppose, is spend some time in some suburban areas. If you're an urban, urban guy or an urban gal, get out there and uh, really observe suburban communities from the perspective of somebody who's looking for uh, a place to live uh, and is looking at critical amenities like safety cleanliness, uh, schools. One, you'll find often that as, as much as the typical suburban style development approach, you know, doesn't appeal to me, uh, I would say most people are ambivalent about that development approach in the United States. Uh, and what they see is they'll go to a newer place or a suburban place and things are well kept. You know, the, the, uh, the law, the, the lawn is mowed. The, the parks are taken care of and 
uh, things are clean and there's new equipment. The schools uh, look like safe places to be. The shopping areas are well-maintained. And that's what really matters to a lot of people. You know, one of the reasons that uh, I would say is funny years ago uh, when I was uh, early involved in uh, what we call the new urbanism today, you know, one of the real uh, frequent comments that we'd especially hear in the architecture world was, well, I'm not a, I'm not a new urbanist. I'm just an urbanist or I'm an old urbanist and be like, okay, you know, that's fine. I'm not really sure why we're fighting about terms, but you know, that's okay. And, and then, um, one of the clarifying moments again came uh, from Dewani, who said, no, you don't, you don't understand. The reason we call it the new urbanism is because today there are choices. Uh, today you can choose to live in the suburbs if you want to. A hundred, 150 years ago, there was only the urban condition. There wasn't suburbia as we know it today. And so everybody effectively lived that lifestyle. Uh, and today, uh, if you don't want to, if you don't want to live in your urban community, you can choose to move to a suburb. And many, many people, uh, prefer that, uh, lifestyle and that approach. Uh, and, and again, I'm not here to defend it or say that one's right or one's wrong, but the reality is people have choices and as urban boosters, it's important for us to understand and realize that nothing we do exists in a vacuum. Whatever policies, whatever management approaches, whatever we emphasize in our place has effects uh, that ring beyond ours. And for normal people who are looking to just either rent a place or buy a place, uh, understand that they can uh, look at A versus B and they might care about different things than those of us who are the hardcore uh, urban, uh, urbanites really like. There aren't that many of us. <laughs> I guess that's the, other, I guess that's the last uh, point uh, I would make or a different way to say it is those of us who are really the hardcore, uh, urbanites who are probably going to live in a city, no matter what, uh, there really aren't that many of us. Uh, I, I think I've looked at lots and lots of, um, preference surveys over the years and demographic and psychographic analyses. And it's probably no more than, you know, 15 or 20% of people uh, in in, um, in any given region that are really diehard urbanites that are probably going to stay there uh, and live in that type of lifestyle no matter what. Uh, and so if we, again, if we want our urban communities to succeed, as I think we should want them to do, we have to understand uh, what matters to the majority of people and not dismiss those because maybe you don't like the messenger. Uh, so um, that's something I wish we could just generally do uh, in many, uh, many of our discussions uh, about uh, policies or issues uh, in society is to focus less on the messenger and think about the actual issue or the message. Uh, but I know we have a terribly hard time uh, doing that these, uh, these days. Maybe it's always been that way. Uh, but it certainly seems like that's the case now. So um, consider the message, not the messenger, and let's take a step back. Uh, be honest about your place. Be brutally honest if you want it to succeed. Uh, and be willing to 
entertain harsh criticism, learn from it, and go get better. If we follow that path, your community will get better. If we are just reflexively defensive uh, or mocking of other places, we've missed an opportunity for self-improvement. And more importantly, uh, we're going to miss an opportunity to reach more people and welcome them into uh, the kinds of places that we love. That's just my message for today. It's a short podcast. I hope everybody has a great holiday season. I've got some fun guests coming up here in December. I think we're going to focus a little bit more closely on some issues specific to Kansas City with a, with a few guests. Uh, but I hope everybody has a, uh, a safe and enjoyable holiday season. Take care. <laughs>